Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. Thanks for being here today. What a blessing that you would tune in to the podcast. Have a homemade postcard again today. This is from Pensacola, Florida, from Mackenzie Lawler. Mackenzie's a student there, and she just loves the podcast. She says she's always challenged by the messages. And uh, wow, Mackenzie said some other nice things in the postcard. Thank you so much, Mackenzie, for uh, taking the time. It's a beautiful postcard. You can't quite see it as well, I'm sure, over the camera, but it's just, uh, it's beautiful. And so thank you for taking the time, making the effort, and descending that in, Mackenzie. That really does mean a lot to me. Mark chapter 13 in our Bibles today, and we're in a heavy passage. I'm not going to lie. This passage of Scripture is, it's hard to hear. Why? Because sin brings death, and these end-time events and the tribulation and the way that this earth is going to be upended and the evil and all of it, it's just mind-boggling, and yet it's what happens when man makes his own choices. It's what a world looks like when Christ is rejected and God's word is, is thwarted and repelled, and we're seeing it here by way of prophecy. We ended yesterday in verse number number 23, where the Lord told us, hey, I've told you these things ahead of time. I have foretold all these things. So know it when it happens, I told you. Now look at verse number 24. But in those days, so what days? The days of tribulation, the days when all of this is going to come upon, the, 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 the days of the abomination of desolation that we talked about a couple days ago. So the Bible says, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light. In other words, there are going to be signs in the heavens, eclipses, and the stars of heaven shall fall, perhaps meteor showers, uh, comets, or whatever, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Wow. Can you imagine there's going to be great uh, uh, astrological, or I don't know if that's the right word, astronomical, but uh, great, there's going to be great upheaval, uh, both in heaven and earth, as these days come to a culmination, these tribulation days. It says in verse number 26, and then... So after this time of tribulation, after these days of great confusion and persecution and affliction, these shortened days about which we've spoken, then the Bible says in verse number 26, then shall they see the Son of Man. And remember, the Son of Man is a title of Messiah assigned back in the book of Daniel that means the victor the victor Messiah that will conquer and, and, and rule. So then the Bible says, shall the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then shall they see the Son of Man 
coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect, all the saved, from the four winds all over the earth, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. So what will that? What does that refer to? That refers to the second coming of Christ. So when we talk about the, the comings of Christ, there are two. So we know that Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago. And where did he come to? He came to this earth. He came to Bethlehem. And the Bible teaches he came unto his own. So he came to this earth. He came for his own, right? He came to his own, I should say. He came to his own. Now, there is a, a sense in which the rapture is a coming of Christ, but not technically, because Jesus is not coming to this earth. He's coming in the clouds to catch us away, much like a bridegroom would not go into the house of the bride, but would come outside near the house and would call unto her. And then she would go out to meet him. And then in that meeting, he would take her back to the place that he has prepared for her. And then they would celebrate the marriage supper. That's the imagery of John 14. That's the imagery of, to a degree, 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that we, the church, are the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. In the rapture, he doesn't come to our place, to earth, but he comes outside. And he calls us unto himself, just like the illustration would suggest, and then we go with him and celebrate a supper with him, the, the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the imagery all fits. But technically, the rapture, the being caught up, the harpazo, is not the second coming because the second coming refers to the second coming where? To this earth. So Jesus came the first time to this earth in the in his incarnation in Bethlehem, and then he left this earth from Mount Olives. Well, the Bible says he comes back to this earth. He will strike down from the air Antichrist and the armies of Armageddon. They're in the Valley of Megiddo, just north of Jerusalem by about 90 miles, and then will come set foot upon Mount of Olives. This same Jesus shall come again in like manner as ye have seen him go. That's what the angel said there at the Mount of Olives, and indeed that will be. The earthquake will take place. The Mount of Olives will split north to south. Jesus will walk into Jerusalem and set up rule and reign, physically rule and reign from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. That's what Bible literalists, that's what pre-tribulationalists uh, and pre-millennialists believe, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches. So uh, here the Bible says that uh, one of the signs of that day taking place is the shaking and Jesus will come back and will gather. Remember on earth, we will come back with him as New Testament saints that have been caught out in the rapture. We'll come back with him after those seven years to this earth. We will rule and reign with him. But the Bible says that all the others saved during the tribulation period will be gathered as well uh, during those days. Look at verse number 28. Now, Learn a parable of the fig tree. So, so Jesus now is giving a, an illustration of those last days. So he's given us the teaching. 
now in the verses we've covered over the past two or three days. But now he's going to give us an illustration, and it's an illustration that would really make sense to those disciples who are sitting outside as Jesus is giving this message, and they're seeing some of what he's talking about. So they're on the Mount of Olives, so they're seeing a lot of olive trees, obviously. But the fig tree is also very common in Israel. I've seen many, many fig trees in Israel. And they grow much bigger than an olive tree, by the way. They grow to be 20, 30 feet high. And Jesus uses this parable. Look at verse number 28. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender, so in other words, still new, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So something that everybody would know who lived in Israel or or today who lives in Israel is that when a fig tree starts to show its leaves, summer is right around the corner. Why? Because unlike the almond tree and others that, that, that grow leaves earlier, the fig tree doesn't grow leaves until about the time the, the weather's going to get really, really warm. So when is Jesus giving this message? Well, he's giving this message about the April time frame. That's Passover. So in Israel, so Israel would be kind of like in climate, kind of like our state of Georgia, southern Georgia. So it's not like living up north or even living where I live in Virginia, but it'd be more like Georgia. So in Georgia, in about April, mid-April, boy, summer is right there, right? The, the hot weather, it's right there. So that's what Jesus is saying. So when you see the fig tree, so no doubt when he's talking about this parable, they're looking at fig trees and they're seeing, oh, wow, the leaves are already coming. So, wow, this prophecy, I see what he's talking about. So when you see the signs that I've talked about, that me personally, Kurt, has talked to you about over the past two days, these signs are like leaves. And they're telling us that, boy, this is going to happen. Jesus is going to come. When these things are happening, you know Jesus is coming. So he says here in verse number 28, they putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh. It's close, even at the doors. I mean, it's right there knocking on the doorstep of your life. Verse number 30, verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass until all these things be done. So some have erroneously taught, in my view, that that means that all these things had to have happened during the lives of those disciples that were hearing that, during their generation. But generation actually has a couple different interpretations here. Uh, First of all, generation could mean uh, your ethnicity, your race. So in other words, uh, the, the Jewish nation will always exist until these things happen. And certainly that's been true. That's been a miraculous thing to see even the resurgence of the nation of Israel. I, I personally don't think that's what it's talking about. But when Jesus makes the reference this generation, what is the antecedent for this, this generation, this generation? Well, the generation that sees all of these tribulation events. So what Jesus is saying is the generation that sees all these fig tree signs, the generation that sees these events taking place, 
that generation will also see Jesus come. So it's not going to be like, okay, great tribulation comes and then Jesus doesn't come. So that's why I don't believe that Jesus was referring to 70 AD. Why? Because great tribulation did come. There's no doubt about that. And the Romans did desecrate the temple and there was a desolation. So in a sense, there was an abomination of desolation, but Jesus didn't come. So, and that generation died. So that cannot be the generation. So the generation that actually sees these signs and then sees Jesus come. That's the point. Look at verse number 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So Jesus is speaking, yeah, my prophecy is true. This prophecy that I've made will come to pass. It will not, it will not fail. It will last and persevere because my word is true. Now, this isn't a promise about any particular translation of the Bible, by the way. This just means Jesus' prophecy is true and will happen. His word here will happen. And heaven and earth one day, you can't bank on them. Well, mountains will always be here. The stars will always be there. That's not true. But the Bible teaches in the future that God will wipe away all of this physical universe. Heaven and earth shall flee away. Read about that in Revelation chapter 20. And God will make new heavens and a new earth. So the things that you think are eternal, the things that you think will last forever will not. And that which perhaps you haven't considered will last forever, like the promises and words of God, will. Look at verse number 38. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. In other words, Jesus, as the Son of God, who could know everything, he's omniscient, has said, I have voluntarily made myself in my humanity to not know these things so that I too can speak in terms of imminency. Look at verse number 33, take ye heed. Boy, he's come back to this theme several times in this message, has Jesus. Take heed, watch out, watch out, watch and pray. He's going to say the same thing to those disciples uh, a couple nights later in the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch and pray. Guys, pay attention. You know, Don't fall asleep spiritually. Know these days are coming. Live like it. Take heed. Watch and pray. For you know not what the time is. You know what that means? That means that every single generation of people that have lived since Jesus gave this prophecy ought to live with the expectancy of his imminent return. He could come back. Live like it. These days are going to come. Live like it. Live in light of the impending eternity that's upon us. Verse number 34. Here's the final illustration. I'm rushing a little bit to get done with the chapter. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house. He gave authority to his servants, to every man his work, he commanded the porter, that means the door watcher, the doorman, to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not what the master of the house, when the master of the house cometh. Uh, at even, at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, you don't know when it's, when it's going to be. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. Wow. What, a, what an exclamation point on this message. What I say to you, I say to everybody, watch. 
It's kind of like this uh, householder that goes away, that leaves things under the auspices of his servants. He's going to come back. You don't know when. That's me, says Jesus. I'm coming back. And you don't know when it's going to be. So you better watch. You better be ready at every single hour. And what I say to you, I say to everybody, watch. Boy, maybe that should be your word for today. That ought to be our word every day, shouldn't it? Watch. Maybe today, we used to sing the old song, maybe today my Lord will come. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Well, I hope that helps. Uh, That finishes chapter number 13. We'll jump into a brand new chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.